Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Fitness Disrupted, a production of iHeartRadio. I am Tom Holland, and this is Fitness Disrupted. 10,000 steps. That is the guidelines that you are given. The goal to reach your daily step count, 10,000 steps. Did you ever stop to wonder where that number came from. Most don't. You just take it. Recommendations are given. You say, okay, that's my goal. Well, let's talk about why. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about where that came from, what that's all about. Is it right? Is it wrong? What benefits are conferred? How much do you need to do and why? I'm going to talk about a few studies to, to support or refute what, what I'm going to talk about. And I'm going to tell you what you should do. That's pretty much what I do here on Fitness Disrupted. It's the perfect topic. It is so popular now, the different fitness trackers, and it's exciting. It's super exciting. As I've said before, been in this industry so long, and there's so many exciting new inventions, and we are living in the best time, people, to get in shape, to be as healthy as possible. 30 years ago when I started There were no fitness trackers. There was no internet. There was no nothing. You went to the gym. You lifted heavy things. That was it. You wrote it down on a piece of paper. Okay, so super exciting. But 10,000 steps, what does that mean? And as so many topics in fitness and health and wellness and nutrition, it serves to confuse. And I'm going to read you some doozy articles and one crazy study I'm so excited to get to about 10,000 steps. And it's just a perfect perfect indication, an example 
of twisting the 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 uh, the research and not looking deeply at it and just adding a headline that shockingly enough serves not only to confuse but to press I'm so excited to talk about this study. I'm going to talk about about five different studies that look at different aspects of the steps and the 10,000 steps and what it's all about. And this should be really helpful to those of you who are tracking your steps. And it's going to be hopeful because it is so common in fitness that we're given certain information. You don't know why, and you you may not be able to hit it, and that serves to get you disappointed and discouraged. And that's not helpful at all. So that's what this show is for. (laughs) So I'm very excited. 10,000 steps. Where does that come from? So I'm going to start by talking about that. 10,000 steps. You might be surprised to find out that it's pretty arbitrary for the most part. Then it made sense after the fact. So. In 1965, a Japanese professor of health science, he believed that walking 10,000 steps a day would help Japanese avoid obesity. So back in 1965, and he called it Manpo-ki. Now, I don't speak Japanese. I may be mispronouncing that most likely, but M-A-N-P-O-K-E-I, Manpo-ki, okay? And that means, according to the the research and and Japanese, 10,000 steps. And I even read that the name was chosen for this product because the character in Japanese, 10,000, looks sort of like a man walking. So there you go. There you go. So all the way back, 1965, 10,000 steps, and he had a pedometer and a product that went with that, the Mampo Key, okay? He wanted to get them moving. Pretty ahead of the curve. I was surprised even myself to find it went that far back and just (laughs) 2,000 what, you know, 10, 12, uh, just started to really um, gain traction here in the U.S., but that's the the origins, 10,000 steps, Japanese pedometer, professor of health science believed this would help with obesity in, J- in Japan, and he called it the manpoki, the 10,000-step meter. Now, if you look at the science, it makes sense. It makes sense in what we do as Americans and kind of pushing that limit. But there is a limitation to that. So quick break. Now we know it comes basically from a Japanese pedometer named for 10,000 steps. When we come back though, I'm going to tell you why it kind of makes sense and then it kind of doesn't. We'll be right back. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. 
and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Talking about 10,000 steps, that recommendation we have been given, you have been given by, of course, uh, someone selling products. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. We need to move more, right? But that doesn't mean that 10,000 is this magic number. But here's where the math kind of works out in my opinion, right? So even though it was kind of arbitrary, 10,000 steps back in the day, the average American, according to the research, tends to walk around 3,000 to 6,000, 4,000 to 6,000, somewhere in that area, right? 4,000 to 6,000 steps a day through their activities of daily living, just through normal stuff, Most people are going to walk about that, 4,000 to 6,000 steps. So let's add on to that the normal CDC and and other organizations' recommendations for about 150 minutes of exercise per week. So let's divide that by five days, just to, you know, five days of the week for many people. Uh, That's about 30 minutes of exercise a day. And 30 minutes of exercise, again, according to some research, is around 3,000 to 4,000 steps. So there you have it. If the average American is walking through their activities of daily living around 4,000 to 6,000 steps and we're told you should do about 30 minutes of exercise and that's 3,000 to 4,000 steps, there's your 10,000 number. So it kind of makes sense. Here's the problem. I don't believe personally that 4,000 to 6,000 is the average. And even if it is the average, that means there are people doing a heck of a lot more and there are people doing a heck of a lot less. That is, even in my limited knowledge of math, what an average is. So for the people who are doing 2,000 right now, asking you to do 10,000 is ridiculous. That's my primary problem and issue with recommendations like this. Now, It goes against my total belief that we need goals and you need numbers to shoot for. 
But that's probably not the number. It's something over time, maybe, and something to work towards. But my belief, my experience, and my advice is to beat yesterday. So if you have a pedometer, you know, anything that is tracking your steps. And by the way, there are so many different ways to do it now. There are, you know, the wrist-based devices. There is your phone. There are GPS watches. There are so many different things that track your steps. And many of you may ask, how does it do it? So one of the basic ways for something like a Fitbit, it's an accelerometer, Okay, and it's it's a three axis accelerometer that counts how many steps you take each day and it converts this recorded motion into data that uh, can be reviewed right by uh, different formulas and different things. When you input other metrics into your depending on what you're using, it compiles that. But it's an accelerometer. And what's an accelerometer? Well, it basically measures the amount of acceleration due to gravity. It determines the angle it's tilted at with respect to the Earth. Uh, It senses the amount of dynamic acceleration to track how fast and in what direction whatever device you're using is going. Okay, and that's why, you know, I work for and with a a specific fitness company, and we have an accelerometer built into dumbbells. So it's tracking reps, which is really cool. So it counts, you know, reps, and it actually – that first rep you take with these dumbbells, smart dumbbells, I love that oxymoronic term, it gauges that first rep. So if you do a half rep after that, it doesn't count it. But that's a real basic kind of explanation for accelerometers. Here's the problem that I'll get to in one specific study. In particular, they're not necessarily accurate. And it's based on a whole variety of factors. So when you add in those two things that many of you maybe aren't even coming close to 10,000 steps a day, plus an inaccurate, maybe under or overestimating, but many times underestimating what you do, then that's not helpful. It's actually not helpful in either regard, right? If it's telling you you're doing enough when you're not doing that much or it's underestimating what you do and that's going to leave you discouraged, that's not helpful. So these are far from perfect right now uh, as far as the research shows. And again, depending on a variety of factors, how fast you go, your specific gait, where you actually wear it. In a lot of these studies, it's on the wrist, it's on the ankle, it's on the hip. Uh, So many factors go into the accuracy of these products. And I'll circle back to this at the end. At the end of the day, it comes down to getting you moving more and getting you to do a little bit more than yesterday. A little bit more. Not 5,000 steps more, not 6,000 steps more, not even necessarily 3,000 or 2,000. Okay, it's got to be doable and sustainable over time. You know, the Mayo Clinic recommends adding about 1,000 daily steps each week. A little better, a little better, but for some people that might be a huge jump. Okay, Let's backtrack a little bit more. Final little history lesson. I I find this pretty amazing and and interesting is in 1780, the first pedometer was invented. Who knew, right? A guy named Abraham Louis Perlet. Again, my French is about as good as my Japanese. So 1780, Abraham Louis Perlet, I believe, and of Switzerland, he created the first pedometer and In doing this research, I'm not a watch guy, but I guess many of you are going, of course, that's a watch brand, been around that long. And he based it on a mechanism of his that he used to develop, if I'm understanding correctly, the first self-winding watch. Pretty cool, right? And then Thomas Jefferson brought a mechanical pedometer to the U.S. from France, okay? 
And that's really where it started. Think of how far back. It's pretty amazing. You know, one of my mentors, Jack Lane, whom I uh, was so fortunate to interview many years ago, different show, another example of so far ahead of the curve. So 1965, the first pedometer, 1780, you know, or I'm sorry, 1780, the first pedometer, 1965 is when this 10,000 step version was marketed to the Japanese and the general public. So really, really interesting. So going to get into these studies, okay? And the studies, I've picked a couple, about five, that look at different aspects of the whole step count. So first one we're going to talk about, okay, is the 10,000 step even necessary? You know, so I, I say you should do more, but they looked at what, what's the number, right? What does 10,000 mean? What does less mean? So this was in the Journal of the American Medical Association, May 2019. Kind of recent, right? Association of step volume and intensity with all-cause mortality in older women. Okay, so they looked at over 16,000 women ages 62 to 101. Average age was 72 between 2011 and 2015. And all these participants were tracking devices during their waking hours. What they found, sedentary women averaged 2,700 steps a day. Okay, we are mostly sedentary now. This was a little older population, but hey, I know a lot of older people that move a heck of a lot more than a lot of younger people. But that's noteworthy, right? 2,700. Asking those people to do 10,000 out of the gate or even 8,000, that's crazy to me. Okay, and what they found too was women who averaged 4,400 daily steps had a 41% reduction in mortality. And that was pretty much what this study looked at. Primarily, almost exclusively, mortality rate. And that's great news, is that if the average sedentary woman was doing 2,700 steps a day, they had to get up to about 4,400. Now, that's almost double, but still not 10,000 and almost decreased their mortality risk in half. Okay? And this study showed that the mortality rates progressively improved, but it leveled off at about 7,500 steps. So they didn't even reach 10,000 steps, and there was kind of a leveling off. Now, I believe, and other research shows, that it's dose-dependent. Walking is dose-dependent, which means what? The more you do, generally, the better, right? So I'm not recommending we stop at 7,500, but that's an interesting number for mortality, okay? And that was, again, the study was designed to look at only two factors, mortality, not anything, you know, uh, that's pretty much it mortality uh, as far as the steps and the relation to that 10,000 number, okay? So quality of life wasn't looked at, you know, cognitive function, all these other things, depression, which I'm going to talk about, but interesting, right? 10,000 steps, well, you're going to confer benefits. So my point is this, is that when you have these numbers that people hear, 10,000, and they go, oh my gosh, I bought a pedometer, I bought a, you know, a watch, and I'm doing 2,800, I can't do 10,000 every single day, especially so it serves to discourage. So know where that number came from. Know that there's benefits, significant benefits. <laughs> Mortality is an important one, people, with steps considerably under, but I'm not letting you off the hook. We still want to do more, but it's progressive over time. All right. So second study, it's just talking about, and I love this, like, do people move more when they use something, buy something like an accelerometer, a Fitbit, something like that? 
uh, fitness uh, tracker. The study, same Journal of American uh, Medical Association, this was November 2007, however, and the study was using pedometers to increase physical activity and improve health, a systematic review, okay? It was a meta-analysis, which means they looked at a bunch of studies, they chose 26 that they thought were pretty good, and the goal was to evaluate the association of pedometer use with physical activity and health outcomes uh, among adults. And the conclusion was simple. All right. They suggest the use of a pedometer, shocking, is associated with significant increases in physical activity and significant decreases in body mass index. That's great. And even blood pressure for this study. Okay. So that's what I say is so exciting about fitness trackers and devices. And I'm one of those people. I buy a new watch. I'm going to go out and run more and, and actually the, <laughs> do a whole show on this. The, the converse is also true many times, especially athletes, triathletes, runners. Like, oh, my gosh, my Garmin isn't working. I'm not going out for a run because it's not going to track it. Whole nother show. <laughs> but the point is this. Invest in your health. Buying that health product is, for so many people, going to get you to do more. Over time, you're going to get bored with it. And I've talked about that. You want to keep mixing it up. So you kind of keep buying different things to keep you motivated. But that is one super powerful thing. And this study supports that. Okay. Now, third study I grabbed because of the accuracy question, right? And I don't like that it it talks. This study is 2018 August Journal of Medical Internet Research. And the title of the study is Accuracy of Fitbit Devices. A Systematic Review and Narrative Synthesis of Quantitative Data. There's a title for you, huh? 67 studies they looked at. The bottom line is this. Fitbit's not so accurate all the time. And that's to be expected. And they're pretty accurate. And it depends, again, on a whole host of studies. I do not want to throw Fitbit. I, I think they are phenomenal products. My point is just that they're not 100% accurate. Can underestimate, overestimate. I find this not only with step counters, but heart rate, wrist-based heart rate now. So there are devices, instead of wearing that chest strap, and I own one, or I own several actually, that get your heart rate from your wrist. I have one that gets it from my forearm. At higher intensities, for me, it's not remotely close. It's not remotely accurate. So my point is this, much like a body fat scale. You know, I have body fat scales. Do I expect them to be super accurate? No, they're home use. And I have some really, exp- I have one super expensive body fat scale. I don't even expect that to be super accurate. Body fat, you want to get super accurate results, you go to a lab. You do a bod pod, you used to do underwater testing. There's a bunch of gold standard ways now to get that number. But just like with the body fat scales and the pedometer, if my body fat reads X, let's say 10, let's say 20, whatever the number is, my goal is to get it to be less. And the opposite is true with the pedometer. So because it's going to be inaccurate consistently or or relatively consistently with you based on your gait, where you wear it, and all of those different things, the opposite is true. So with body fat scale, my goal is to get that number to go down over time slowly. With the pedometer, your goal is to get that, your accelerometer, your fitness tracker, your goal is to get that to go up slowly, consistently over time, okay? Uh, I don't need to get into the specific results. That's it. Somewhat accurate. We're going to leave it at that. Okay, now we have fun. You know what? Let me go to break because this is so good. I don't think I've been more excited about a study and and how they twisted and didn't, and the headline that that came from one of the articles from this study, and it's about college-age women, (laughs) weight gain, 
inaccuracy, and fitness trackers. Oh my gosh, you're going to love this. We'll be right back. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, here's the headline. The headline that came from this study, one of the headlines of many, many articles written from this study, uh, it's starting with the headline because that's where it has to start. So the headline is, no, getting 10,000 steps a day won't necessarily prevent you from gaining weight. This is going to come back in several ways on several levels. First of all, I don't remember that being the number one reason you put on a pedometer, put on an accelerometer, wear a fitness tracker, okay? Obviously, that's the goal of many people who increase their steps. You want to lose weight, of course, but there's so many benefits that come from that. Now, there are severe (laughs) limitations and misinterpretations of this study. The study is this. 
Title, The Impact of Step Recommendations on Body Composition and Physical Activity Patterns in College-Age Freshman Women, a Randomized Trial. And this was in the Journal of Obesity, okay? Now, I want to first say, I don't care if it's women or men, but freshman year of college, for those of you who went to college, we know they call it the Freshman fifteen. So I find it very interesting that this was the subject uh, group, <laughs> the subjects chosen, uh, awesome, right? But that's a challenging time. That's a challenging time. So you could say that's good or bad. Maybe that's perfect, right? Well, okay, this was 120 college-age women, age 18 to 22, who were, yes, in their first year of college, freshmen, okay? And they were put into three groups, 10,000 steps recommended per day, 12,500 and 15,000 steps a day. And they're expected to do that, do that six days a week over the course of 24 weeks. Okay? Well, so, <laughs> and they were testing for weight gain. That was the, you know, primary thing they were looking at. Okay? <laughs> Let me read you. I'm just going to read you the results, and then we're going to get into it. So the results of this study suggest that the going progressively beyond 10,000 steps per day had a positive impact on physical activity patterns, but does not prevent weight gain in freshman women. And that's where that author of that st- article, I would say, pulled from, right? Didn't prevent weight gain. And they went on to say, in fact, the recommendation of 15,000 steps per day resulted in over an hour more activity each day. Holy cow, that's a positive thing. Holy cow, that's a positive thing. And I don't want to get into, go listen to all the shows I did on all the benefits of exercise beyond what you see on the scale. So if going 15,000 steps a day got these women moving an hour a day more, That's a really good thing, especially at that point in your life, right? So that is a really positive thing. And final little result from this study, although the prevention of weight gain was not achieved, the reduced sedentary time was substantial and has benefits that likely extended beyond weight management. So there you go. That's a perfect example. And why I included not only the study, but those findings that they uh, had at the end of the study Benefits that likely extended beyond weight management. But what do we read? No, getting 10,000 steps a day won't necessarily prevent you from gaining weight. I love that they said necessarily, kind of, you know, making it a little softening the blow somewhat. But here's where we're going to get into. Okay. How did they test? What about what they ate? Let's go back to freshman year and drinking and eating. Now, I'll be N equals one again, an experiment of one. Suffice it to say, I was far from my healthiest my freshman year of college. And I'm pretty much going to leave it at that. I'm just thankful there weren't cell phones and Facebook and things like that. I am thoroughly, and anyone who's my age, you're, you know, in the 50s, you're probably right there with me. Okay. So how did they assess what they ate every day? Uh, Dietary intake was assessed by multiple uses of the automated self-administered 24-hour dietary recall. Do you think They were honest. Well, let's look at what they found. The average total caloric intake at baseline was 2,100 calories plus or minus about 500 calories. I find that hard to believe. Okay? So, holy, in my opinion, in my experience, incredible flawed design, but it gets better. It gets better. Final takeaway is, oh my gosh, this blew me away. So if you dig a little deeper into the study, it says while the study did observe weight gain, the composition of weight gain was primarily lean tissue. 
15% lean tissue versus and 44% adipose or fat tissue. They were building muscle? Holy smokes. Like, I want to do a whole show on that study and the headline that was ripped from that. Gaining weight? So it's muscle tissue, some of that weight gain, but we don't, we don't differentiate that. But there's the headline. There's the confusion, everybody. If that doesn't pull it all together in why you got to look into these studies, you got to have a show like this. And listen, I, I do my best to dig as deep as possible, but we, the, 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 the advice given is all you need all you need, but I need to break these studies down and show you how flawed they can be. So the confusion that you have is understandable. And that's why this show exists. That's why my job is to help debunk the myths and make it as simple as possible. And far too many shows and far too many proverbial fitness experts try to make it really complicated. You know what? I'm not even, well, really quickly, the final study. Mental health effects, okay? That's, I pulled one from that because that's super important, especially if we're talking freshman age men or women. I don't care. It's important, right? Effects of 10,000 steps a day. This is the title of the study on physical and mental health in overweight participants in a community setting, a preliminary study. And I've never pulled from this journal, but Brazilian Journal of Physical Therapy, 2016, July and August. Okay, purpose of the study was to explore the effectiveness of a pedometer-based physical activity intervention on physical and mental health states. And, you know, they looked at 35 overweight participants, 12-week intervention, asking them to do 10,000 steps a day. And they looked at their mood states, their body mass index, their waist circumference, body fat percentage, and their lean body mass before and after. What did they find? 30 participants who accumulated 10,000 steps a day had significantly lower anxiety, depression, anger, fatigue, confusion, and total mood distress scores compared with the measurements they took prior And physical health side, the participants who accrued 10,000 steps a day had significantly lower body weight, waist circumference, body mass index, and percent body fat. Okay. So it's pretty simple when it comes, we need to move more. And by the way, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, just did a five-minute show on that. If you haven't listened to that, five minutes. That's what we're talking about here too. By the way, many of these trackers don't look at things like riding a bike. So non-activity exercise thermogenesis. So there are things, when I talk about the accuracy and inaccuracy of some of these trackers, it doesn't record everything. So again, you may be getting significant amount of movement in ways that fitness trackers aren't picking up. So we need to move more. You need to move more. Wherever you are now, the goal is to beat yesterday. And I'll, I'll accept staying the same, and you're going to have some days when you're less. So I'm a big believer in you have your daily goals and you have your weekly goals. So there may be a day where you go, hey, I, I listen, I had an Apple Watch. For many reasons, I took it off. Now, maybe you have Apple Watches. I, I'm a Garmin guy personally. But when I had the movement thing and I would be in a car for a long car ride driving my kids to hockey in like Toronto or I'm on a plane and it's yelling at me to move, sometimes that would get stressful. If I'm in a car, can't do it. If I'm on a plane, okay, I'll get up. Can't always get up though. So you're going to have days when you're less. You're going to have days when you're more. And that goes for diet. That goes for exercise. That goes for everything. You're going to have good days and bad days. The goal is long-term. The goal is to move a little more than you did. The goal is also to lift some weights, do the strength training, the five components of fitness, not just activity trackers, okay? So don't get bogged down in the numbers. 
focus on the five components of fitness. If you don't know what they are, hey, I got a show on that. Listen to that. So I want you to use fitness technology to get yourself motivated. I don't want you to get depressed because you don't hit seemingly arbitrary numbers that aren't maybe where you are. And you're going to have people out there who are 12,000, 15,000 steps a day. Do you need to do a little bit more? Do you need to beat yesterday? And you know what? Listen to that show on five components of fitness because you may be just a cardio person who's not doing any of the strength training or you're not doing the, the flexibility training. But I'm more concerned, first and foremost, with the strength. Flexibility is important, but we need that muscle mass. We need that functional strength. So 10,000 steps a day. Yes, it's dose dependent. The more you walk, the more you move, the better. But you confer, you get significant benefits at 5,000 steps a day if you're doing 2,500 today and you're doing 5,000 after a certain amount of time. And you're doing better if you're doing 3,000 today and you did 3,050 tomorrow. It's a marathon, not a sprint. All the cliches are true. We just, too many people don't believe them. You got to believe. Small steps are not small. They get you to the goal. All right. So there you have it. 10,000 steps. Man, Poe, Key. Get a fitness tracker if you don't have one and that's going to motivate you. If you have one and it's boring you, switch to something else. You got to keep moving. Got to keep changing things around. And don't get discouraged with yourself if that thing that motivated you yesterday is not today. It happens to everyone, myself, everybody included. Got to keep mixing it up. Everything. Thank you for listening. I'm Tom Holland. This is Fitness Disrupted. If you have not rated the show, please do so. Now, I know some places you can't, so wherever you can, I appreciate you doing so. If you want to leave a comment, I really appreciate that as well. Tom H. Fit is my Instagram, Tom H. Fit Twitter, and go to Fitness Disrupted. I'm going to have a link up there, quick link where you can email me questions, and I will answer those in a listener mailbag show. So once again, I truly appreciate you listening. Hopefully you learned something. It's about motivating. My goal is to help you have the best life, to look better, to feel better, to live longer. Thank you for listening. I am Tom Holland. Believe in yourself. Fitness Disrupted is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.